This is a show about individual experience and personal identity. There may be times when folks use identifying words or phrases that don't feel right to you. That's part of what we're exploring here. Please listen with an open heart, and as always, I welcome your polite, engaged feedback, and I encourage you to continue the conversation in your own life and with your own community. Welcome to Query. Hey, Queeros, Cami here. Today on the podcast, my guest is Anthony M. Lopez, awesome actor. I loved this conversation. Um, he's also an amputee, and talks, we talk a lot about uh, disability. We talk a lot about the roles that he's had. We talk a lot about our future friendship. That's not true. We didn't talk about that at all, but I just do want to be friends with this person. I also want to just say, hey, you know what? Happy Pride Month. Enjoy this episode and your pride. I've been feeling wrong, but I'm still I always have folks on the podcast introduce themselves. I always have guests introduce themselves. Would you introduce yourself? Yeah. Sure. I'm Anthony Michael Lopez. I'm an actor. Uh, I identify as a gay man. Um, I'm an amputee, so I'm also part of the disabled community. And um, I don't know. I grew up in, uh, uh, in a suburb of Chicago. And I've been acting since I was, you know, 10 years old. Recently, I was in the Maplethorpe movie with Matt Smith. I've been on Broad City, Homeland, um, and I was in a production of Othello with Daniel Craig, David Ayelowo, Rachel Brosnahan, Finn Whitrock. Famous people. Those are famous people. Yeah, everyone you Celebs. But honestly, the biggest celebrity to me that you just named is the suburbs of Chicago. Um, what suburb, yeah, what are, suburb did you grow up in? Elmhurst. Do you know? Do <laughs> I grew you up know? in Western Springs. Stop it. What's like two my towns over? Roommate, my college roommate was from Western Springs. Where did you go to school? I went to Illinois Wesleyan University, which is just like, you know, yeah, I in know Bloomington. It. It's like in the middle of Illinois. Somehow, like everybody's got Southern drawls. <laughs> um, yeah. That is it. Smells that like is manure. True. I wanted to escape like a year after I got there, but it was a great, it was a great education. My tiny dog is with me. Oh, today. Hi, dog. My tiny dog is with me today. You might see him passing in the background. Um, yeah, he's extremely cute, and he's trying to find a place to relax. Although, and he's he's very fashionable. Oh yeah, of course. In that sweater. Yeah, he's looking like, good in his pride. sweater. <laughs> so you live in New York now. I do. Uh, yeah, I've lived in New York for the last ten years. Straight from? Did you go straight from like Chicago area to New York? Kind of. I. So I graduated, I graduated college in 2008. And from there, I like, I started working right away. I was working on, you know, summer stock and summer stock. And I did the national tour of the 25th annual Putnam County Spelling Bee, mm-hmm. which is a musical by Bill Finn. And it's just like, uh, it's like, it's gorgeous and it's hilarious. And I had a great time. And I was like 23. I just like right out of school. So I did that for a year. And then I was so burnt out and having some crazy, like, I don't know. I mean, 23 is a crazy age anyway, but I was just having like mental health issues and just, I had no idea where I fit in the world. I had no idea what the world was, you know? When you say touring with that for a year, can I ask you a question about that? What is that like, like schedule wise? Cause I'm also trying to imagine you're 23. You're like having mental health issues. Could you just talk me through what you exactly mean? Cause I don't actually, I don't think I know. It's yeah. It, I mean, it was a non-equity. It was a non-equity national tour, so we would perform like maybe max three nights in one place. Wow! And then we would get on a bus and drive to sometimes you know another state, like seven or eight hours away, and then we would perform that night. And mostly it was like you know one or two nights in a city, and then we would drive somewhere else and do the show there. I've done I've done a bus so, tour, um, so I know that it can be like super exhausted. Were, were you were you guys sleeping on the bus? No, I mean, we got hotel rooms, but, you know, we, a lot of times we had to sleep a lot, you know, we had to sleep on the bus a lot because it's like, you know, we would get up at five in the morning and then we would be on the bus for eight hours and then we would have a show that night. Right. So a lot of us would, yeah, would sleep. And we were just like, I don't know. We were very young. And it's we a were, big touring production. How many folks do you think? Yeah, probably. I mean, actors, there were, I think 13 of us 
and then crew people, there were probably like another crew and band, probably another 15, Hmm. you know, mostly under 30. So everybody was just drunk or hung over the entire time. Um, That sounds like my nightmare. Not to be, that sounds like my nightmare. It's like same at this point. Absolutely. Um, Yeah. I mean, it was a good time and it was, it was, you know, definitely educational, but it burnt me out. Like I didn't want to act after that for a, a while, but you know, and my, my roommate, my, you know, future roommate called me and I had gone to school with her and she was just like, I've got an extra room in this apartment in New York. Do you want to come live with me? $515 a month, you know? And I said, yes. And I just moved to New York and then I was not planning on being an actor. I was just planning on just kind of, I don't know, doing whatever. And just to check in, that's a out. pretty standard New York rent, $515 a month, right? Like that's what you pay now, right? Oh, are you, are you making a joke? I'm making a joke. These are jokes. Okay. okay. I like humor. <laughs> uh, yeah, no. I mean, I no. That so is, you pay a little like less outrageous. than that, right? Like somewhere like, <laughs> yeah, like around yeah. 350 Sure, um, sure. Yeah, no, it was, it was outrageous. But at the time it was like 515 bucks, like that sounds like a lot of money. Yeah, absolutely. You know, when I was like 23. And then I realized, oh God, I was in for it. Um but no, that was, it's a cheap room. It was, you know, the rent was like very cheap. So yeah, I mean, but yeah, I, I was just like, just messing around for, you know, a little while. And then I had um, some friends who were making theater in, in New York and just asked me to audition for a new musical that they did. And that sort of started everything. I certainly know like some actors who um have done both stage and then, you know, on camera work. I mean, like we had, yeah. I had Anthony Rapp on the show a couple weeks cool. ago, maybe a month ago. Um, but I think it's a pretty unusual balance. Like not everybody does it. Not everybody does yeah. both things. You're still sort of doing both things. Yeah. Yeah. How, I, how is that balance? Well, I mean, I, my training is in theater. And I had a manager once who said theater keeps you good. And there's some, cause there's something about doing theater. It's immediate. And, you know, with, with on camera stuff, you can stop, you know, if you mess up, you can stop. Um, but when you're doing something live, you can't, and you have to complete, you have to bring your entire self. And I think also with the theater, like they can see your whole body. And so you have to be alive and engaged with your entire body the whole time you're, you're on stage. Um, and it's also more literary, you know, that you are engaging with the words in a kind of more complete way than you are with film. Um, but I know that I'm one of the lucky ones and that I get to do, I get to do, you know, both. And it's yeah. been nice. Yeah. Well, that actually is a really good sort of, you know, when you're saying somebody's seeing your whole body, I'm, I'm a stand-up comic by, by trade. I really understand that thing, how important presentation is, how much people are taking in what they see. Um, can we talk about your bod a little bit? Can we talk about... Sure. Yeah. Can we talk about... Yeah. I don't actually know... I know you're an amputee. I don't actually know. Yeah. Um, first of all, can we talk about that? Is that something we can sure, talk about? Yeah, of course. Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. And when yeah. did that happen in your life? So I was born with a condition. It's called proximal femoral focal deficiency. And it basically means that one of my legs, uh, I was born with one of my legs with bones in the wrong places. So it's just something that I was born with. And I've used medical equipment to get around my whole life. And then when I was 13, I had the lower half of my uh, leg amputated so that I could use a better prosthesis so that I could have a, a mechanical knee. You know, before what they were doing was they were, you know, I was going through surgeries when I was younger so that they could turn the foot around so that the, an- so that the, the ankle joint worked as a knee, right? And so it worked for a little while uh, when I was younger, but it was also like, painful as hell. I went to Catholic school. We had mass every Friday. And I don't know if you know about, you know, I was Catholic raised Catholic. Mass, but it's like, 
Yeah, but it's like the kneeling and the standing and the kneeling and the, standing, the whole time. So by the end of like mass, I would be bleeding, you know, or like bruised. So it just was not, it was not the, uh, it was not the thing for me. Can I ask so the amputee, about yeah. that? Did, is that something that, yeah. you know, it's not, ex- it's, um, well, when I was a little kid, I yeah. had um, crossed eyes and I had to have a bunch of surgeries, straighten out my eyes. I had to wear an eye patch wow. for eight years of my childhood. I had another surgery when I was 21. So I understand a little bit. Obviously, it's different because it, it didn't affect um, mobility so much. Although, like, double vision will totally give you a huge file at the emergency room because I was just constantly, like, falling out of a tree or walking into a wall or something and, like, oh needing to God. get stitches. But, um, you know, I definitely know what it's like to be a little kid and have something that just makes you present a little differently. Um, and yeah. especially a little queer kid because you're, like, you just have – two things or whatever, you know, that it's like, oh, I have a bowl cut and my eyes are looking at each other. You know, there's just like a lot. (laughs) So for me, you know, I developed a sense of humor, I think, to sort of get ahead of people making, it's like, you're not going to make fun of me. I'm going to be so charming that like, I'm ahead of the joke. What do you, do you know, can you identify some stuff that you used to cope with being somebody who is a little different? Yeah, I definitely use both of those things, you know, and also I think there's a drive to be just successful. It's a thing to just be good at whatever you do, you know? Is it like a show them uh, thing for you? For me, sometimes I have like a, like, oh, I'll show them thing, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, completely. And I still have that, but lately it's sort of been more like, I've realized that being somebody who does what I do, who is disabled and queer, uh, is kind of just doing what I do is kind of a service to other people or it can be. And I, 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 I did, I've never thought about this before. I had never, I hadn't thought about this when I was younger, but recently it's like struck me that if I saw somebody like me in a movie or in a play when I was younger, I would have felt like there was a, a, a world for me. Yes. Uh, I didn't feel that way when I was younger. My shaman, my shaman, Kai, who's incredible, uh, he sent me, he was like DMing me last night. He's like, sent me uh, a link to the net. You remember MTV's Next, the Next bus? Yes. So there were like five, you know, gay dudes on a bus and, you know, sort of auditioning to be like, you know. It's like a rotational uh, dating thing. Is that what it is? Is that what yeah, that was? Yes. yes. Yeah. I do remember five, this. Five people, five people on a bus one person who's like kind of like trying each one of them out. Yes. They don't like them because they have a bad haircut or a weak handshake. They just say next. Right. Yes. So, I do remember this. Ridiculous. So I was watching it. It was like from uh, 2006. And I remembered that episode. All like white dudes and able-bodied. And uh, I just remember thinking like, oh my God, I'm so ugly. I'm so gross i'm so weird that i would get nexted right away i'm never gonna you know what i mean i would never there was no representation for somebody who looked like me um even in queer spaces when i was growing up and i realize now that like my being in a movie my being an actor at all is uh part of the changing of the tide uh culturally even though it feels like shit is so bad like we have come a long way in certain regards and um, I feel like I'm a part of that. Um, and that's exciting. Yeah, that is. I mean, I, th- it, it, I think what you're talking about is interesting. Cause it also, do you know what it is? It's like, it's just TV looking a little bit more like our actual community. I think that's something that like, we don't talk enough about when we talk about, um, you know, like changes in representation or diversity. It's like, I think a lot of times the the rhetoric around it gets boiled down to like it's because this is the right thing to do. It's it's I think less often do we just talk about like this is straight up what we actually look like. You know like it's like this is straight right. up more reflective of reality. So it's we it's interesting to exist. like you know this is just real. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you just yeah. you just actually are uh in the community. It is so incredible to me. Like I was just, I've been, I've been having this conversation because I've been working on a Shakespeare festival right now. And one of the plays that we were working on was Richard the third and Richard the third, a historical figure 
he was disabled. Um, and it's like a, a famous Shakespearean role that is usually never played by a disabled person. It's usually played by an able-bodied person who then like performs the disability kind of crips up uh, or like wow. does crip face. And it's kind of been like historically an opportunity for an able-bodied actor to play this role and then have the conversation be like, whoa, like look at his physical work. He did such incredible, an incredible job at like being disabled, like embodying, you know, right. the disability. And I, I was writing about this uh, on Facebook and I had people come back to me and say like, well, as you're saying that like only able, but only disabled actors can play this role. We can't play this role. And I'm like, look, it's not about shoulds and shouldn'ts. It's not about like creating a rule book. It's like, think, think about it. Like, there are disabled people who actually exist. And by casting somebody who's able-bodied in this role kind of says that like disabled people just don't exist or don't have any space in their own stories. Um, and so like kind of just, if you, if you lead with your compassion, I think you'll kind of come to the understanding that like disabled people should be telling these stories Yes. It's just kind of what makes sense. You know, the other thing I always think about with that kind of argument is, so the person that's able-bodied that's playing that role, you know, they're asked, how did you, you know, how did you do this? And they're like, I had the lived experience of, of exp I walk, I was in the world this way for the duration of this performance. So like, right. wow, I like really like, like put myself th through it. I like really, and, and then I think about the person who's, that's their lived experience every other day when they're also, when All they're the also off stage. And I just think about yeah. how much more that person has to bring to the stage, right. you know, like I, yeah, because I think the same thing about queer folks. I mean, I actually am somebody. I really think queer actors should play queer roles, and that's I like think so too. that's like a little bit of a dicey thing because then what happens is that queer actors are like, well, so then can we only play queer? And I'm like, well, like let's talk about that down the line. Like let's just get right. like a few more because like even sex would look more realistic and interesting if people knew what the fuck to do with their hands you know if they weren't Dude. just like in the thing and they're you know they're it's they're it's like anyway i had to i had to i have to rub my face and my eyes and stuff because it's just well the lived experience matters is, is my whole point it, the lived experience matters it, it really does and it, I, I mean i will entertain the argument that like Oh, so like, oh, so like you can only sort of like play what you are, you know, can queer actors only play queer roles and, uh, you know, straight actors are like not allowed to play queer roles and only disabled actors, whatever. I'll entertain that argument when the playing field is equal. Yes. Like when queer actors who, who start their careers as out, when disabled actors yes. have as fair of a shot at roles as straight and uh, able-bodied actors do. I, you know. I completely agree with you. I also think that because I think then people are like, well, but then, you know, as a disabled actor, then I only have to play disabled role. I only get to play disabled roles. And uh, I agree with your point. And then I would also add, hey, um, that role, you know, could probably be a disabled person. You know, like it's like it could probably be that it doesn't even have to be mentioned in the love story or whatever. Like, I just mean, it could be Absolutely. shown, you know, like, because you would be walking because how you walk. people fall in love too. Yes. You would be, you know, talking how you talk and that, that yeah. would be part of the character. Um, yeah, exactly. Exactly. I, so I actually don't know that about Richard the third though. What is it that people are yeah. doing? What are they like? What's the Dude. thing people are doing with their bodies that when okay. they're, when they're like putting it on, what are folks doing? Okay. So, he has monologues. He's got mon like his, his opening monologue in Richard III, but now is the winter of our discontent. He goes into detail about his, his hunched back. These are his words, his hunched back, his arm that's withered, like uh, his arm that's shrunken, like a withered shrub, his legs of, a, of, un of an unequal size. And he says this in the context of like, we're at peace now. We were at war, we're at peace. And so everybody's sort of having sex and falling in love because my body looks like this. The world doesn't, doesn't afford me any love. And because of that, the only way that I can get ahead is by being evil is by 
by manipulating people Whoa, okay. and trying to undercut other people's. So what, what happens when you cast an able-bodied person in that role? And this was an argument that was presented to me the other day was, is that, well, these disabilities are obviously just manifestations of his inner evil. Oh my or, God. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so, Fuck. so, so, right. So this is why I mean, it's got implications beyond just should and shouldn't and beyond just like, well, we're here. It creates the, it, it allows for the narrative that disability is a manifestation of inner evil or that something's wrong with you on the inside. Mm. And the, so that's, and I think like casting a disabled person in a role like that puts the focus then on the context, on the cultural context that this person is existing in. Of course, if you're in a, in a, like a, a society that doesn't accept disabled people, that keeps disabled people down, they're going to do whatever they have to do to survive. And it looks at evil in a new way, evil behaviors and, and things that we would, you know, label that. Uh, it looks wow. at that in a different way. And so I think it's uh, not only like a, a more fair um, uh, like a fairer narrative toward disabled people and, and Richard, like individually, but uh, it's also just kind of like a more interesting story. How do we, how do, how do we treat people and how does that make uh, them behave? You know? Um, and this is the, this is the character that you're playing. You're playing Richard the third. No, no. The reason why, no, the reason why I kind of had a moment on Facebook the other day was that, they cast an able-bodied dude as Richard and they, and they put me in a different role, you know, and I don't look, I don't blame anybody for like making a mistake. This is like a learning process for everybody. I am not perfect, you know, when it comes to uh, representation either. Um, but it's really uncomfortable to be in a scene with somebody as a disabled person where other people are calling them, you know, a cripple and wow. you know I, wow. A, a, wow a malformed lump you know yes and and then and then having to sit there because an able-bodied person said that you he hired you for that role you know what i mean it just it's a very weird uh uncomfortable position to be in well i'm i'm impressed that you're talking about this with me and and publicly because i think another thing that it that is easy to do to, you know, that I find easy to do to myself about my, like, about the thing, about my otherness is, um, you know, to squash it down to protect feelings, which by the way, does no one any, it it does myself, it does me a disservice. It does, it does, it's not respectful of the other person. Like if I respected them enough, you know, I would treat them like an adult and tell them the truth. Um, so I, yeah, I think this is pretty awesome that you're just having this conversation. Are you having this conversation like with the people involved or yeah, yeah, yeah. that's really yeah. interesting. Um, yeah. And you know, it was a quick process, so I didn't have a lot of time, but, um, I had a, uh, a conversation with the director and, and the casting director who, who was the person that put me into the show and, you know, they got it. Like I explained it and they got it. And part of this is like, I'm not trying to be divisive here. I'm not trying to like vilify anybody. Like this is just my reality. And I think it's important to like, try to like, if I'm asking you to empathize with me, like I, I want to be able to empathize with you too and make sure that we're like treating each other like respectfully and, and like adults. Um, so yeah, but, but yeah. And thank you. And like, I, I don't know. I found that it's really important for me to continually come out as queer and continually sort of come out as disabled too. That's something that's got to, that I have to do every day um, for my own sanity, man. Like, can I ask a, a, another question yeah. about this in the, the sexual mm-hmm. production? Do you know what your costuming sure. is going to be? There's no costuming. It's just a reading. Okay. It's just a reading. So yeah. Yeah. But I, I intentionally, we, we had our reading uh, last weekend. I intentionally wore shorts. I was going to ask if you wore shorts. That's literally what I was going to ask. 
Um, I, yeah, I had a feeling. Yeah, no, I, I, I wanted to wear shorts. Um, I usually want to wear shorts in most productions, in most things. I mean, you know, when I was in Maplethorpe, I played Jack Fritcher, who is, you know, an actual person who was, who doesn't, you know, wear a prosthetic right leg. So for that, that wasn't the thing, but I, uh, look like whatever role I play is going to be disabled because I'm playing it, whether or not it's discussed or whether or not that was specified by the playwright or the, you know, the, uh, the, the person, the writer, like the character is disabled. And so why not sort of, uh, let the audience kind of come to whatever conclusions they want. I've been thinking that I wanted to come back to like you talking about being in physical pain as a child. Mm -hmm. First of all, Mm -hmm. that sounds so genuinely tough. Um, What did you do with that? Did you tell people you were in pain? Did you shove it inside? That's what I mean. That's what I mean when I say like coming out as disabled is like a daily thing because Mm -hmm. I, you know, my family was absolutely incredible, super support, supportive, but they encouraged me to join the world as though I were able-bodied. Um, and I, I appreciate, I, there are certain parts of that that I appreciate. Um, and they were just doing their best. Of course, they were just doing their best. But at the same time, like I learned to ignore my limitations and I learned not to articulate the discomfort that I was in. So I would like do the walkathon, which was like this fundraising event at my school where we walked five miles. Now I can, I can like barely do that now with the, you know, like high tech leg that I have back then it was just torture, but I did it. You know, I did it because I felt like I had to, you know? Um, And I did, I really, it was really important for me not to feel like I was just I was just doing whatever I could, just like not feel less than everybody else, um, you know. So I like played little league, and that was uncomfortable. So and it really hasn't been like until recently that I've been able to articulate my limitations and just say like, look, like sometimes it just takes me a little bit more effort to do normal things, and it's a day to day thing. And sometimes I'm in more discomfort than other days, and so I've got to like, you know we made plans to you know go to a bar or something like i'm gonna i'm gonna hang at home and you know just making sure that like my boundaries are respected so that i don't i'm just you know staying honest to myself yeah that makes so much sense to me i I feel like just generally as a culture we haven't yet got to the gotten to the place of you know, that thing of like, I don't even see race, like that, like white people were saying, you know, it's like, I don't yeah, even see, yeah, ra- like, yeah. I don't even see the color of your skin. And then, then they would also, then, then that person would name a color of skin that doesn't, it's like, like white, black, purple, you know, like, and you're like, oh my God. you're like, oh my what God. is happening? Like, you know, what are you even talking about? And it's not yeah. about you not seeing skin color. It's about systemic issues. And this is like the exact you know, ignoring it as opposed to delving deeper. And I feel like, you know, with things like disability or chronic, chronic illness, um, we are still sort of operating in that like black, white, purple, Uh, you know, we haven't yet gotten to the place of like, you know, cause I think then the kind, you know, what able-bodied folks often think is that the kindest thing is to pretend that they don't see what's going on. You know, like the kindest thing that I could do for you is to like, never ask you about, what's going on with your leg, like never ask you about your prosthesis, like, like assume you can walk super fast, you know, like, it's like, I don't want to embarrass you by acknowledging what's happening, you know? And I think yeah, by acknowledging the fact that you have limitations. Yes, exactly. And I just think the, we haven't yet gotten beyond that where it's like, well, you know, this person kind of knows what's going on with them. It's not like you're not embarrassing necessarily by by just acknowledging, like, it's not like I'm not breaking it to you. Like you actually already know that you have a prosthetic. 
I man, I feel <laughs> I feel badly. I feel badly for able-bodied folks who like are interacting with disabled people like for the first time because there's also the balance of like you know, I got into an Uber the other day and the guy was like, "Go slow, go slow, go really slow." And I was like, "No, I'm fine. Like I'm I'm like I know, like I'm okay, you know." So, you know, God bless them. They're yeah, they're trying. You know, but yeah, it's just like you know, you don't want to like baby a disabled person and you don't want to also assume that they can do everything that an able-bodied person can do. So yeah, I feel, I feel for them. Do you think the, do you think in your case, and obviously I'm not asking you to like speak for a community, but just for you, would, would, would then, would what you want be somebody like asking you what works for you or assuming that you will tell like is like is that sort of the the better range versus like bossing you around or ignoring it like is the better range asking you a question or giving you the benefit of the doubt that you'll speak up on your own behalf i i really think it's like trust your best judgment like I, i ask ask sure yeah ask questions like let your curiosity you know guide your conversation your interaction with me absolutely and like Make mistakes. Don't be afraid to make mistakes. I think is like the number one thing. You know, I I will definitely. I, I'm working every day on like trying to be better about my own boundaries, my own limitations. So if anybody's got questions for me, like yeah, like I will be forthcoming about you know my reality. Um, just to, I think it's just about like not being afraid to yeah. interact with disabled people with disability. Yeah, there's yeah. so much fear. Right. There's so much fear. fear. Yeah. There's just fear. And, and, and unfortunately, I mean, I think the fear is more damaging because what it leads to is just ignoring that, ignoring difference at all. Right. Which is a big, it's a big problem. Yeah. I mean, it literally, I mean, it's a big problem, you know, in anything from, I don't have to, I know I don't have to tell you this, but I'm just thinking about, you know, the implications in like a dating situation or like a friendship, but then the implications in like a work environment where you're like interviewing someone, you don't know what they might need, what accommodations they might need to work in your office. So then you just like straight up don't hire that person, but it's not like you're telling that person, you know, cause that would be illegal, but you're just like in your mind going like, I don't really understand how this person's body works compared to this office. I don't know how to ask that in this interview. So therefore like, next and then the person gets off the bus and they it's the next person yes 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 call back (laughs) yes 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 um yeah no i mean this is this is also it it, i i deal with this sometimes because like uh, i was doing i was doing a show in dc earlier this year while they were doing a production a big production of richard the third with an able-bodied dude as richard and my friend was in that show she's disabled um she brought up this conversation herself in this production and one of the things they they said was like that they auditioned you know lots of um, disabled people, but they just couldn't find somebody with Shakespeare experience. Not knowing that she knew that like I had auditioned for wow. that role, so like it, you know it's tricky. But I think the thing is they probably were just they probably just assumed that a disabled person, an actual disabled person could like not handle it, you know? Yes. Um, I actually want to ask you a follow-up question on that. I, yeah. it, my understanding is that uh, prosthesis can be uncomfortable or painful in like at the end of yeah. a day, sort of a thing. Um, yeah. Is that, is that true for you? Yeah. Some days it's fine. Some days it's like completely fine. Some days it's, uh, it's painful. You know, some days like, uh, if I have a beer or if I eat Chinese food, uh, it's more uncomfortable because of the swelling. Sure. Um, you know, yeah. I, but I, you know, well, I I don't mean that to say that you shouldn't do anything. I'm just actually, I was going to ask you, uh, how do you deal with that? Like, because your job involves so much being up and around. How do you deal with that? I have to be a little bit more, I've got to be a little bit more vigilant about like the things I put into my body, the things that I do, the ways that I like the thing, you know, I was helping my, my partner garden the other day and I was like, this is fine. This is cool. Shoveling dirt. And then the next day I realized like that was absolutely not uh, fine. You know, I just like messed up my back a little bit. How did you meet your partner? 
scruff (laughs) (laughs) the internet yeah 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 scruff specifically and it's like kind of perfect because of your beard length is exactly the beard length that i would assume is on scruff you would just like if somebody was scruff like if somebody was like who is on scruff i would be like let me just quickly draw a face for you and it would be the face that you have just like screen grab Thanks. He's got like, two yeah. hoop earrings and a lens, right. and a, like a certain specific amount of facial hair. Yes. Thank you. Uh, had you been using scruff uh, for a while when you met this yeah. person? Yeah. 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 And, uh, you know, it's always a thing to like, you know, make sure that there's a photo in there that's like full body that shows the prosthetic legs. So that if people, you know, are not into that kind of thing, they, they can, uh, they can next me. So Yeah. I had been using it for a while. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's, it's whatever. I mean, you probably know about like online dating. It's, it's the way that you kind of have to do it now for better or for worse. Um, no, I don't know shit about online dating. Really? Yeah. I've never, I've never done it. Oh my God. Good for you. I know that's like, how do you No, I mean, it doesn't sound, no, I think I like it, it would kind of be amazing if like, it were easier to meet people in real life, but you know, I have had a very specific experience of like being pretty visible in a pretty small community for a lot of my adult life. You know, like I, I kind of, I got my first job in comedy the day after I graduated from college and I still had my, you know, still with my first girlfriend and I just have had, I just, I think I'm in a special subset of people where our community is already small and then I'm just even like it's not like I was like famous or anything I just mean I was more visible like I was just like more visible yeah. people could just find so I just think it's different than maybe a lot of people's experience because it's never been hard for me to meet people ever yeah. but I don't think wow. that's because I'm so amazing or special I just think it's that I've been like a little bit more sort of like a you know like a iPhone flashlight was on me, you know, in the room because everybody else was like, we're the, we're the people that are not performing. And I was just like, well, I'm the person that's performing, you know? So I just think, but that has its own, uh, set of, um, yeah. I mean, I just didn't like gay, I just didn't like gay bars. Like I just, you know, I, I, I tried to do it when I first moved to New York, like for a couple of years and I was just like, ah, I just don't, I'm not, I mean, I do, I like going to them. I don't like going to them and like trying to mm-hmm. like pose in the corner and be sexy. And you know what I mean? Like, like you want to go for wanna... the hang, not for the, like the hustle. Mm, exactly. Exactly. Wow. That was really so, well yeah. said by the way, by me. Look at you. Yeah. I've by never you. heard yeah, that before. Yeah. And I just, I really, wow. I can't believe I came up right, with that. that I'm gl- so glad we're recording. <laughs> <laughs> Here for the hang, not for the hustle. Yeah. There oh, yeah. it is. It's a t-shirt. Jordan, alliteration. Jordan, go make the t-shirt, please. Thank you. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I get that. I mean, I is it like random random shit that I would expect that you don't like it that you didn't like on gay bars? Like just just that's like not your mo. Was it not knowing how to what what was it that didn't work for you? It was just like you know the alcohol. I think uh, can be the devil sometimes, and yes. you know make people act in ridiculous ways, and you know, and it's just like it, it's like I don't know. The thing is like. I hadn't been to, I haven't been to a gay bar to like hook up with people since I was like 24. I think that kind of that age group, um, especially like gay men, uh, I don't know. It's just a little, it's, it, 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 it can get a little, uh, either like predatory or, you know, superficial or whatever. So like it, it just wasn't for me. And it was just like a lot of effort. And, uh, and, uh, drinks are not cheap in New York. No, that that's true. So scruff was working for you, which is, which is rad. And by the way, at any moment you can be like, this is too personal. So yeah, no worries. Sure. Um, does... oh, please. I was on Andrew Gerza's podcast. Oh yeah. And he, He's the best. oh my God, he asked me everything. Yeah. Yeah. He's the best. We're actually, uh, I'm sorry to sidetrack, but we're, we're both being honored by Queer Tea. Oh, yeah. uh, for their for their Pride Fifty, uh, their like Pride Fifty gala in a couple of weeks, we're like both like one of two fifty honorees for like you know queer people making a difference. That's awesome! It's incredible. I know. Yeah, I really like Andrew. He has been on on this show, and um, 
is is great. He's great. Yeah. So I wanted to ask if you feel comfy, um, you know, how sex might be different with your prosthesis. Like, yeah. like uh, I guess maybe from any, any vantage point you wanted to, but I was thinking more like, um, obviously you said you're posting full body photos, so it's not like it's like a reveal, but more so just right. for you, like, does this require some extra finagling work? Obviously it's the only way... It's the way you've lived your life. So it's not like you're comparing it against the way I've lived my life, but maybe your partners are able-bodied. So maybe there's a differential there. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, you know, uh, I, I have, uh, yeah, I've had, I have slept with, uh, disabled people, but most of my partners have been able-bodied. They're like from, I guess from the beginning of the like process of like trying to sleep with somebody, there's, you, you know, you've got to come out at some point as disabled because they have to know what's, you know, what, they have to know whether or not they're still going to be attracted to you after they like see your body, you know, but I, I guess everybody runs that, that, that risk or takes that risk. But, um, there's like, of course there's planning, you know, it's like, are we going to do this with the leg on with the leg off? Is it happening? Like, are we going to start having sex while my leg is on? And then do I keep it on or take it off? Are we going to start having sex? You know, when my leg is off, um, you know, so it, 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 yeah, it does take a little bit of, it does take a little bit of forethought, you know, if you're like, but that's not the hard part. Yeah. That's not the hard part. No, it's, I'm, well, I would but, love to know what the hard part is. What's the hard part? Yeah. Okay. Well, that, okay. Well, the hard part was like meeting people, meeting people in real life when I was wearing long pants and if they got a little handsy and touched my leg and was like, oh, that's very, that's very, you know, it feels like metal. Um, and that sort of disrupting the makeout sesh or whatever. And then like, you know what I mean? So you so like learned over time that you had to like sort of lead with that, but I guess also right away. Yeah. I guess also if you're talking about, I mean, because there, there had to have been a time you were dating pre-internet. Oh yeah. Yeah, for sure. So yeah. How would you do the, how would you like introduce this, this part of your body? You would just, you would oh wait for them to like, you're saying, there would be like a I, I reach or what would happen? I wasn't always good at it. I, I, you know, I used to, I used to hide it, uh, sometimes, um, because I was ashamed of it. And I didn't think that, I didn't think that anybody would, would, you know, like it. I didn't think that people would be attracted to me if they knew that I had this, you know, what I considered weird, uh, body. So I don't know. It was just a learning process because it was like, eventually, if I want to have intimate relationships, I'm going to have to like, you know, be forthright about the reality of my body. Um, and so probably it would, it would just, I would probably just like make a joke or something that I think mm. that, that helped. Uh, or I don't know. I mean, what was I doing before? God. Yeah. I think, I think it was just... Well, I could ask a different question. I don't remember. Yeah, I mean, I could ask this question. Have you found that people are attracted to your body? (laughs) I mean, you have a partner, so... I haven't. Yeah, I haven't. Oh, God, knock on wood. Yeah, I haven't had a problem. Um, I I haven't had a problem. No, like, I I don't know. No, but that could be helpful for someone. Like, like you're talking about, you know, like, we don't know ever who's listening or, you know, so I think hearing... Some of this is like, yeah, it's that doesn't, it doesn't sound as arrogant well, as you might think. <laughs> I, but saying, I, I've but never I had a problem. Yeah. No, I know. But I, I, I hesitate because my experience isn't necessarily representative of like other disabled people, especially yeah, like queer disabled people. Cause it's like, I realize that my having one leg is like kind of a privileged, uh, um, perspective in in the disability community just like being able to play you know non-disabled roles is a privileged uh thing because you know lots of disabled people have a really hard time getting dates and lots of disabled people have a hard time getting roles um and can't can't and and aren't even considered to for able-bodied roles or non-disabled specific roles so i i realize that that's a privilege so i like hesitate to you know be too like flippant about being like, yeah, no, everybody thinks I'm like super sexy, you know? But, yeah, I'm um, really glad you said that. Thanks for the clarification. Yeah. That's super helpful. Yeah, of course. I think also you're right. I mean, 
the the you know you wearing and you wearing pants looks like I, and sitting down, I guess, probably looks a lot like me wearing pants and sitting down, except you have like right. this, like just additional beard. Um, but sure, sure. but somebody that uses a chair to get around, that's like a yeah. different presentation. That's a different amount yeah. uh, to, yeah. you know, navigate. That's different doors that you can get in and out of just to even get right. in the bar or to meet up with your date or whatever. Exactly. If you can yeah. even get into the bar, I was just going to say that. Yeah. 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 Disability takes lots of forms and some are visible and some are, some are more visible than others. And, um, and because our, you know, our world isn't, isn't built for disabled people. Um, it's, it, you know, it can be hard if your disability is super clockable right away. You know, I think that it's funny because there is like a, a parallel sort of in queerness to what you're talking about that mm. maybe anybody listening that's trying to like work on their empathy could use as an access point. You know, there's, yeah. there's, um, like when I walk down the street, I look pretty fucking gay. <laughs> like I have mm. pretty gay haircut. I wear pretty gay clothes. Um, so I have to deal with, um, like somebody, yelling slurs at me or with feeling unsafe because somebody is challenged by what's going on. Mm. And the flip side of that coin is um, it's like not hard for me to find people to date because I look pretty fucking gay. So mm-hmm. like men generally at this point in my life are not approaching me and mm. um, you know, queer women, non-binary folks are, and like, that's who mm. I want to attract, you know? And then I think yeah. about somebody that presents, um, differently than I do. And they just have their own shit to navigate. It's like, okay, maybe nobody's like calling them a dyke, you know, in line at the TSA. Um, but somebody also might be like buying them a shit ton of drinks or like cornering them in a weird place. You know, I just, has somebody called you names at TSA? Well, not necessarily at the TSA. I think that was a broad reach, but I have been called a dyke, uh, in line to get on a plane. (laughs) Jesus you know that Christ. Southwest boarding process? That'll bring Don't a slur. South- that'll bring a slur uh, out know. of someone. The woke. It, I mean, it fucking <laughs> did. Like that's that's when you're like, I was just like, look, Southwest. I, uh, yeah. I understand your cheap fares, but I am this is too I am not I'm gonna opt out of flying uh this particular way because um because this is too stressful for most it, of the it, population. It brings out, it brings out the, it brings out the people, slurs. Truly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 No. Yeah. I mean, community is very important and to find the others is vital, especially when you're marginalized, but within it's, it's also important to remember that like within those communities, there is a whole range of, uh, of uh, presentation and identity and um, I think that's something, I don't know, that's really exciting about like the conversations that we're having these days yes. about these things, because I think we're really realizing that like individuality is the thing to be super celebrated and like uniqueness is, is uh, really fucking amazing and um, fitting into boxes and trying to conform to other identities um, is, uh, is, is, it might be it might be more limiting than like celebrating somebody's you know uniqueness yeah i i really love the i love in myself when i recognize something about me that is queer culture like i love yeah. i love yeah. like the movie carol like i own it as a dvd i listen to the audiobook oh i have it in print you know like i you know like i love that and i love that that's a part of like my culture or whatever. But then I also love yeah. when I notice things about myself that have nothing to do with queerness, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. that um, I might look really butch, but that I love to sing Disney movies or whatever, you know, I, Amazing. so it's just, I think, I think you're right. There's a, there's like a real freedom. I think in, you can pick and choose what you like from, yeah. from our culture. You can pick and choose what you like from our culture. And you can also celebrate the things that have nothing to do with the yeah. things we share. Yeah. And, and, and those unique qualities 
um, are going to sometimes, you know, individual, like individuals are going to need different things yes. uh, from their communities and from, from our society, like at large. Um, and that's especially why it's very important to recognize somebody's like specific situation or identity. Yes. Um, I because they're going to need more. things. They're going to need certain, you know, yeah, specific things. Yeah. I couldn't agree with you more. I think that's also, you know, when I think about um, getting a chance to watch you perform or, or getting to follow your career from here on out. It's, it's exciting because yeah, like you're, I mean, every actor is bringing their identity into what they're doing. When somebody has yeah. a more mainstream identity, we pretend that that's not true. Like I find this in stand up all the time. People are like, why do yeah. you talk about being gay? And I'm like, do you not realize that these people are talking about being straight? Is this, this is confusing to you. Like they're, they're talking, we're all just talking about our own experience, you know? So yeah. when I think about you acting, it's, yes, obviously that's a character, but you're also, you're, you're accessing that character through every moment you've ever lived. Completely. So it's so rad yeah. that you are, you know, that Thanks. you're like, that I'm getting to watch you bring every moment that you've lived. That's, that's cool. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. What do you hope, yeah. um... What have you not done that you hope you might get a chance to do? Man, uh, leading roles in Shakespeare. I would love that. I would love that. Um, obviously, like, you know, bigger roles in, in TV and, and movies. Um, but like, yeah, Shakespeare is like the first thing that comes to my mind. Like, I would love to play not just Richard. Like, I would love to play like Macbeth, you know. When did you also, start? Like, Sweet. Oh, go ahead. What were you saying? Also, say Sweeney Todd. Sweeney Todd, too. Oh, great. Oh, that's oh my great. God. Yeah. 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 I would love to get to a place where like disabled actors have as much of a shot at getting any role as uh, able-bodied actors and be able to, you know, like level the playing field out a little bit so that things feel a little bit more open, you know, so that, okay. All right. So this is the thing that I'm going to try to articulate that I don't know that I have before. Disabled people sometimes, especially disabled actors, are chosen or sought out so that who so that the producers can kind of perform or like project their um, wokeness, sure, their their you know like diversity effort or whatever. Instead of, I mean, what I would love to see is like disability and queerness being folded in to everything that gets produced because they're vital parts of like the human experience. Um, that's how, yeah, I, I can't wait for that day. It, and it is coming. Like we're, we're working toward it. Do you think so, anybody yeah. is doing that well right now? Are there any examples of that? I mean, I think about like the show Vita on stars, which has like a lot of different representation on it, not necessarily disability, but, yeah. Like gender presentation and because it takes place in um, Los Angeles, like there's a lot of, there are a lot of brown people in the show because that's like who should be, that's who is being portrayed. Um, yeah. That's just like one example I can think of. But can you think of any examples that you think are are doing this yet? What you're talking about? Hmm. <laughs> Micah Fowler on uh, Speechless on ABC. I know it just got canceled, but they were doing a wonderful job at disability representation. Um, yeah. There are others too, but they're not, they're just not coming to mind. But that show was, that show was awesome. That show was remarkable. Did you see it? You it know, was funny too. You know, somehow I, I haven't seen one single episode of that show, even though I like have interviewed the consultant for that show on this, on this show. What were you going to say? You had your hands. Yeah. Special. I meant to say special. Oh, special. Special yeah. on Netflix. Special yeah, I've Ryan seen all of. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, Incredible. I mean, of, of course, like, you know, created by a, a disabled queer dude. Like, yeah. So it's it's going to be good. Um, yeah, it's too. Yeah. Right. I will. I mean, I hear what you're saying in like. I feel like I have gotten a few roles as an actor that are what you're talking about, where it's just like, I don't know, like a couple times I've just been like a side character that didn't really need to have any specific demographic. And it was cool that, that I was chosen for that thing with my like gay haircut or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. and 
you know, that being said, I definitely don't see that as much for disabled folks for sure. Like, you know, random, like there's like, I was in a movie just like one time, like, like bar owner, you know what I mean? That can literally be like, sure. There any, it could be any, literally any person. Um, right. There are so many roles like that too. Yeah. Um, and you know, it's got real world consequences. You know, we talk about, we talk about representation in the media, um, sometimes as though it's just something that we like should do, but you know, it, it makes a difference right. to people's actual lives. Like, you know, I'm, I'm trying to get a new prosthetic right now. Every time I try to get one, there's this whole like, you know, red tape poop jumping thing that I have to go through with my insurance company because most insurance companies consider prosthetics uh, to be cosmetic. So you have to like go through several rounds of like proving that they're actually medically, medically necessary. Um, so this is the kind of thing where it's like, if we were including disabled people in, you know, mainstream conversations, like more, uh, frequently, like maybe we would think of disabled people as like, you know, part of our society and, you know, individuals that, that, you know, whose livelihoods and whose, um, lives are dependent on these, this like medical equipment, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And actually, I just want to take, I'm going to say this one thing. First of all, I realize bar owner actually can't be every single person because there are some people who like, that doesn't make sense as a job. So I just want to say that that means sure. that then the movie needs to be like adjusted. But this is all, but to your point, um, I don't know. What was I looking at the other day? Just somebody, something, there was like some article about um, like a Home Depot that built a walker for a child that needs a walker to, for mobility reasons. And it, mm-hmm. and it was like this Home Depot company built or like this Home Depot store built a walker for this. Ch-. And it's like, how is it Home Depot that's responsible for that? <laughs> like that's certainly right. it shouldn't certainly, you know, to your point, certainly it shouldn't be Home Depot that just builds a walker for a community. Me- like certainly our medical system and our insurance system. And I know that that's not true, but I just mean it's when you see things like that and you're like, well, this definitely isn't like the the checkout person at Home Depot's job. You know, like we, we're so bad at owning um, the ways in which we need to support everybody that lives in this country. Right. And the resources are there. Yes. There's, there's, I mean, don't get me fucking started on how much money we spend on war, you know, that, uh, right. You know, and, and other sort of ridiculous things like, uh, when we could be funneling these resources towards like education and making sure that people are, are living healthy, like supported lives, you know? So that's why, you know, I know that conversation just like got really big for a minute, but like, this is why representation matters um, because it's, it, it puts uh, an accurate represent, a fair representation of the population of our world into people's eyeballs (laughs) on a, on a a consistent basis. And that will only increase empathy. Um, so yeah. Well, that was it. You nailed it. That that can be our that can Woo. be that can be our parting sentiment because you really summed it up Thank perfectly. You. And just before I, I send you back into your day, I just want to ask you to shout out a Quiro, which is person place thing, made you feel like you can be who you are today. John Cameron Mitchell. Oh yeah. Uh, oh. oh my god. I was sixteen when I discovered Hedvig and the Angry Inch. I watched it at least once a day for like two years. Uh it totally changed my life. It made me understand identity in ways that I had never understood it before. And, um, yeah, definitely him, definitely him. And he's going to, well, I hope so. He's going to be at the, uh, query pride 50, uh, query pride 50 gala that Andrew Gerson and I are going to be at. Have you met him ever? 
Junkyard Mitchell? Yeah. No, I don't think so. Wow. Well, I really I hope so. you get a chance to interact and in that it's like a chill Me meeting. Me too. Sometimes it's extremely difficult to figure out how, how will it go? How should it go? So hopefully how you're both being honored and then you meet yeah. like sort of as peers, which is the ideal situation, you know? He but, has he has, he has has met my boyfriend. Ooh. And uh, so they, they sort of know each other. So yeah. Uh, it might be a little bit easier to talk to him then. Perfect. But well, I'm still going to be like, just like, you know, a, a, a stuttering mess. Yeah. That, uh, that person is the best. That person. I don't is the care best. though. I don't care. Well, it, give my hug. it's uh, so nice to have, to have had a chance to speak with you. Thank you so much for your time today. And I hope that you, I hope you have a great time at those awards. Yeah. Thanks so much. Go get them. Thank you so much. Yeah. Keep doing what you're doing. Great to talk to you. Yeah. Thank you. Cheers. 